Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church Podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Pastor Elijah Hollis. Hey, Change family. Welcome to Sunday. Sunday is one of our favorite days because we all get to gather. And no matter where you're watching from today, we say welcome to the family. This is one of your first times jumping in the Change community. We're in a series called Home Church, where we are defining what does church look like in this season. I believe that God is really drawing us into a space of understanding, of knowing who He is and knowing who we are as the church. And so we're looking at Acts. We've been in Acts with the last series that we were in was called Contagious. We looked at how the Pentecost Sunday set a fire on the church that made it not just a working organization, but made it an effective movement. And so now we're, we're moving into defining what does church look like for us? In the middle of this pandemic, where we're not able to gather in a big space, we are meeting in homes. We're gathering in spaces. And so we wanted to define, I wanted to really lay out what God is drawing us into to bring it back to the OG church of what it looked like when the church was effective, when the church was on fire, when God was moving in the midst of them. And so we're gonna kind of set the stage in Acts chapter two. And we've been looking at this scripture and it really paints a beautiful picture of what that church looked like. It's Acts chapter two, verse 42. And it starts in verse Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. And remember last week, we talked about that fellowship and it also, it meaning partnership. And it's not just coming together and, and, and gathering on the weekends, but it's a life commitment to say, hey, I make a covenant with you to meet. What a beautiful picture that was as we talked through that last week. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. What a powerful secret sauce of our faith. Prayer. And I want to look at that today. But, but the rest of it says, Everyone was filled with awe, and the many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of God of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a beautiful frame that God gives us as a picture of what the church should look like. People gathered, devoted to one another, devoted to the teaching, devoted to the word of God, making this their priority, saying, God, what are you saying? What are you speaking? And out of it, you notice, comes this lifestyle of faith, this lifestyle of doing life together. Now we say that a lot here at Change. We say that we do life together. We're on this journey, not alone, and you weren't meant to do this Christian life alone. And that's why this church community, 
this gathering of the believers, this gathering around the word. Uh, we're meeting in homes right now, this gathering together to say, we wanna hear what God is speaking and then we wanna act on it is so important to our faith because it is the essence of who we are. This word was spoken by God to us. And so we have to look at it. We have to dive in and say, God, what are you speaking to us in this space? How are you defining our community? And what should we be uh, putting a part of our agenda? Last week, we talked about community and that covenant relationship we have with one another. This week, I wanna look at that secret sauce that we have as believers called prayer. Now, this is one of those topics, it's kind of hard to preach on uh, because you might be sitting there and you're like, I know, you know, when, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, it's something that we talk about a lot is that we should pray. We should seek God. We should have that relationship with our Father where we talk to Him, where we speak to Him. So prayer is one of those things that we all know about. Um, and then, but, but on the other side of it, we all know it, but the consistency of our prayer life might not show the same definition and uh, the same direction as what we believe. And we all believe that prayer is powerful, prayer is effective, you know, prayer is this something that is the essence of, of getting things done, right? When we pray, we believe that heaven moves. When we pray, we saw it in the life of Jesus. When Jesus prayed, he ushered in the kingdom of heaven into that moment. And even though he was in the world, he brought heaven to that space. And so we all know prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective. And these messages, you know, sometimes can, can bring up these feelings of guilt, because you might be sitting there like, like, I know prayer's good, I know prayer's effective, but my prayer life needs to enhance. And so we hear these messages and we all get amped up and we're all inspired for the moment. And so, you know, come Monday morning, you are on your knees or even just after today, maybe, you know, at night you're, you're in your bed, you're praying and you're, you're moving in the spirit. You're like, God, let's do this thing. And Monday, if you're dedicated again, you come and say, I'm gonna have that God time and you feel really good. But the thing about guilt is it doesn't last. It can't be something that you base your motivation or your passion or your dedication on. Guilt is not something that works. And so that's why I've really been praying about how to deliver this, how to deliver this message because prayer is something we all know about and we all understand, but how do we move into a space of consistently pouring out our hearts and in the understanding of how to effectively pray? Right now, God is drawing you, God is drawing me to become a people who hear his voice. There's two parts of prayer, one where we talk and the other part where he talks. And, and the one part that sometimes I forget to do, uh, especially as you get into the word of God and you start to understand more and you start to understand the promises, you start to pray, 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 pray. The other aspect of listening can be the harder part to do when you're in that space. The more you know, the more you wanna say, the more promises you know, the more you wanna dive into speaking those promises and praying and, and aligning your, your heart with the fathers and really getting in that space of commanding and being in that place of authority. But the other space of that is the listening, is hearing his voice. So in this, in this message, I, I wanna lay down, what does it look like for us as God's followers, as his children, as the church, that as, as we gather, what does it look like to be in unison in our prayers? To be a space that we are effective in how we 
pray. So I want to look at the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus, he taught his disciples, he gave them a roadmap of what it looked like to pray, of how we should approach heaven's throne, how we should approach the Father with our prayers. First off, I want to look at Romans. It lays out this life of sacrifice. And it's a scripture that many of you who have maybe been in church or you've been around the word of God, you you probably know this. And and maybe some of you, this might be a new verse to you. But I want to look at what the life of sacrifice looks like. Now, when we think of prayer, not all the time do we think of this place of total surrender or this total sacrifice. But the more I was diving into this, the more the Lord is really working on my heart and really investigating me into to come into a space of total surrender when I pray. When you pray, the Lord is calling you into a place of total surrender, total obedience to Him. And check it out in Romans chapter 12. Let's turn there together. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's total surrender. Living sacrifices is laying it down, saying, I no longer own it. It's yours. And so he's saying, I urge you, let this be your lifestyle. Let this be the way that you approach this relationship with God to offer yourselves up to say, God, I am yours. This is a life of total surrender. It's a life when you come to Jesus, when when Jesus brought his disciples, he said, lay down what you knew and come follow me. It was a laying down of ourselves to pick up him. That's why Christ says, I am in you. I make you a new creation. Because when Christ is in us, the old has passed away. It says, I, I urge you, brothers, lay your bodies down as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is a pleasing space to God. When we are fully surrendered, when we are at that space of, hey, God, you have my agenda, you have everything. This is so pleasing to the Father. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a pattern going on in our culture, in our world. It's something that is generation to generation being passed on and getting stronger and stronger. And, and, and Paul says to the Romans, hey, listen, do not conform to the pattern. I know it's hard. There's something going on in culture that you should not conform to. Instead, this transformation happens out of getting in God's word, that space of being totally surrendered in that place of sacrifice and saying, God, renew our minds. Don't let us get in that space where we think like the world. That's an easy space to be because we live around it all day long. It's in your job. It's in, it's in a place of, that you go to the supermarkets and all those spaces that we go into. This culture is inundated with this pattern of the world. It says, don't be conformed. Don't, don't, don't let our, our prayers, and I wouldn't even put it through that perspective today, is that we shouldn't let our prayers go through the filter of the pattern of this world. See, if you look at culture today, culture has taught society to be consumers. I mean, we are inundated with people selling us things that we are the ultimate. We are the consumer. Now it is your job. There's, I mean, billions and billions of dollars being spent every day to make sure that you buy products. 
that you buy the newest, latest gadget, that you need that, you need that. I mean, you get on Amazon, it's like stuff you didn't even know you needed. But once you start scrolling, now you need it. Now it's in your wish list. You got lists upon lists of things you need. Our society is a society of consumerism. And we are taught to be consumers. And Paul says, hey, don't conform. And I wonder today, even asking ourselves the big question of have our prayers become more about us than they have been about the Father's will? That's a hard question to ask. And sometimes it could be very revealing of coming and looking at our prayers, looking at our agendas and saying, God, are we praying prayers based on us? Now, is it wrong to pray for yourself? Is it wrong to pray for your family and your job? I mean, hello, God, don't you care about your children? Absolutely. And there's a space for that where we do. We pray blessings on our businesses. We pray blessings on our children. I, I pray for my kids every night, pour favor on them, God, and teach them your ways. You know, I protect them and guard them, guard my wife, guard us and our marriage, you know, guard me as a man, guard my eyes and my heart. There's a space for that. But ultimately, Paul's saying, hey, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't get in a, a cycle where it's all about you. And so we have to look at and say, how do we transform? How do we get in that space of transformation. Because um, in, in the, the next part of that verse, it says, then. <laughs> Come on, help me out. Say, then. Then. Then is always placed when something before it, preceding, makes it happen. It's the conjunction. It's the, you know, uh, what's that, that show? Conjunction, junction. What's your function? This then is because of. And so he says, when you don't conform to the pattern of this world, when you put your body as a living sacrifice and you come to the altar of God and say, I want your heart. I want your agenda. I want to live for you. My life now is yours. My prayers now are yours. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many want to know God's will for your life? I know I do. I want it for my family. I want it for our kids. I want it for our business. I want it for our church. I want it for our leadership. I want, I want it for every aspect of my life. I want to know his will. And Paul says in order to test and approve, whenever you're in the middle of a, a decision being made, maybe it's a life decision. Maybe you're deciding what to do next. What's your next season? That is a place where you are testing and approving the will of God for your life. You're asking big questions. What should I do? You know, when we came to launch this church, we had a decision to make. Should we go or should we stay? We weren't in a place of being disobedient. We are just in a place of decision. And Paul says, if you wanna have that space of knowing the perfect will of God for your life, you have to be in total surrender and sacrifice. And that's the place of total obedience to the Father. You know, there's a story about um, a woman who was driving the wrong way on the highway and actually had a, a major collision. And it was actually a fatal accident. And when they were talking to her afterwards, she blamed it on Waze because Waze told her to get on the wrong way on the highway. And I don't know about you, but I am very obedient to my GPS. 
In fact, there's some times where I drive on autopilot and I just listen to whatever the GPS says. And there was one time where we ended up in a space where I, I couldn't tell you where I was. I was just following the GPS and Ashley asked, where are we? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I know where we're headed, but I'm, I'm literally just following the GPS. And sometimes we can get in that space of just following the voices, but we have to ask ourselves, what voice are we following? And Paul was, was helping you know, the Romans in this and, and saying, hey, listen, you need to make sure that you are testing and approving the voice, knowing the voice. And that's the first aspect of prayer. And write it in your notes. You need to know what voice you're listening to. What agenda are you following? Because sometimes it's so easy to be picking up our own agenda and coming to God with our desires. And we even tack it on with, in Jesus' name, I pray. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Do this, do this, do this for me. All this stuff for me, 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 me. In Jesus' name, amen. What would it look like if we changed that, if we transformed it, and we came instead and said, God, how do you want me to pray? What do you want me to pray for? What's your agenda? What's your heart? What are you after? What would it change in the way that we approach the king to make sure that we're testing and approving his voice is the voice we are following? In all this, pride has to take a back seat. Pride has to take a back seat in our prayer life. Us as a church coming together in homes, we have to drop our pride. In order to do community correctly, we gotta drop our pride. It's not about us, it's about others. It's about each other. It's about carrying one another's burdens. In prayer, when we gather together to pray, we have got to drop our pride, to be transformed in that space of sacrifice, to, to lay down our agenda. I have with me one of my notebooks, and I don't know if you have these, but we have a plethora of journals, notebooks, planners all around our house. And this is a space we can write notes and write our agenda. And sometimes I'll get in here and kind of write out my to-do list and what I'm gonna do this week. And, and I was thinking this week, what would it look like if we laid our agendas down at the altar, maybe even physically, and said, God, we want to be led by you. That just like listening to the ways voice, just like seeing what turn is coming next and, and listening to that prompting. What if we laid down our agenda and said, Holy Spirit, we need your guidance. We need to know what next step to take. We need to know as a community what to do with what's happening in our world, with what's happening with the racial tension. God, we don't need our own agendas because obviously we're seeing that this world is corrupt and has nothing for us. The systems are broken. God, we need to follow your voice. No longer can we conform to the pattern of this world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, laying down our agendas and saying, God, here, here's my strategy. Here's all the things that I've planned. Here's all the things that I've done. God, take it, take it. And we want your heart. Ooh, I could get emotional. I might not, but I might, just warning you. But I look at the story of Moses and I was reminded of how Moses, when he led the people out of slavery, I mean, literally they're in this oppression and Moses led them into the freedom of this journey that they're on with God. And what did God do? When Moses set the agenda on God and said, God, we wanna follow you, 
the Lord sent a pillar of cloud by day and a, a pillar of fire by night. And they were always led by the Spirit. Man, what would the church look like today if home church, if when we gathered, we just said, hey, listen, you know who's leading this thing? It's Holy Spirit. You know who's leading this thing? His agenda. You know how, who we want to follow and what we want to do? We're going we're gonna to tune in. We're going to lean in. We're going to come in prayer to gather with one another and say, we are laying down ourselves, our bodies, our minds, our agendas as a living sacrifice to say, God, we want to test and approve what your will is. How powerful would those meetings be? How powerful would that gathering be in your home right now, where you are? Even asking the big question right now, who are we following? What voice are we going after? What voice are we tuning into? Who are we listening to? So the first aspect of prayer is that space of listening. It's that space of laying down our agenda, laying down our pride, laying down our know-it-all and, and that, that sense that we have it all together and saying, God, we need you. We desperately need you. I want to look at Matthew chapter 6 because um, this lays out when the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. You know, they were seeing all the other disciples and how they were being discipled in prayer and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And, and praise God that this is in the scriptures because we have a beautiful picture, a framework of how we should pray. So if you would turn in your Bibles, or maybe you have your light up Bibles, you can easily flip there. Matthew chapter six, and we're going to start in verse nine. And Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father. I want to stop there. We're going to, we're going to take this piece by piece. But he says, our Father. Number one, he starts with this three-letter word, our. Our. And what a, what a beautiful picture that we are supposed to do this together. That we aren't single-handedly taking on the devil, taking on this the kingdom of this earth. We're not. We are together in community. And Jesus starts the whole prayer off with having us be in the mental state that we are in community. It's not about us. It's about all of our community. It's about our family, our brothers and sisters, our neighbors. It's about them. And so it starts off with R. And I want you to ask yourself the question today, who is your R? Who is your R? Who's your family? Who's your neighbors? Who's your, who's your gathering? Who's your people? Who, who's your, your covenant relationships? Who is your R? And as we pray this together, I want to pray this together at the end of this, this message. I want to pray it. But, but as we pray that, being in that state of saying, hey, we are in this together. This was meant to be prayed together, to say, our Father, our Father, we're in this together. And then it says, Father, Father. I love this picture because it shows God as a parent figure in our life, a parent who cares deeply. And it puts us in the right frame of mind that we are not just people who gather and strangers who come together, but we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That the Lord is our Father and we are brothers and sisters. We are a family. So Jesus says, hey, start the whole thing off 
by understanding that you are together. I am your father who cares deeply about you and you are brothers and sisters with one another. Isn't that beautiful? He says, our father in heaven. Now what you have to understand back then is they had three heavens that they were talking about. Whenever they said heaven, and you see this all throughout the scriptures, is they were talking about three heavens. Number one was the natural what they saw all around them. So it was this natural heavens. And then they had the sky heavens, which was the stars and, and things that they could see in the sky. And, and back then that heavens was separated from them because they, they didn't have airplanes or any way to get into that space. So that was the separated heavens. And then there was a space where God resided. And that was the heavens that was beyond our world. Something that we were going to someday, the kingdom of God, that, that heaven, heavenly space. And so, he says, our father in heaven, stating that God is with us in the heaven around us, in the natural, in the skies above and in heaven. Sometimes we can pray with this sense of being separated from God, that he's far off, that he's this God of the galaxies. He's God of this heaven that we can't feel or touch or see. But, but Jesus was reminding us, he is with us. He's with us, he's all around us. And when we pray this, our Father in heaven, here with us, in this heaven, in this space, and in heaven above, He is near. So when you pray, you have to understand, when we pray and say, God, come into the room, He is with us. In fact, even in this message, when we gather in this space and we worship together, He is already in the midst of us. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think it's all about us or it's, think it's all about the gathering or all about, about something that is said or something that is sung, but no, it's all about him being in the midst. It's all about his presence. So he says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus was setting the authority. <laughs> and I love this because it sets an aspect of who is in authority. And right now, in our world and, and all around us, we are seeing that there are leaders and there are people in governing authorities that, that might not make the best decisions and might not lead in a way that we think is biblical or think that is aligned. But we have to understand this. Uh, the scriptures actually say that God ordains all governing authorities. And when we honor, we honor up. I don't know if you were taught that as a kid, but I was always taught that we honor up. When you honor the authority above you, you are honoring the authority above them. And Jesus was saying, hey, listen, we don't just serve a father that is a good father and loves us deeply, but hallowed be your name. It's a sacred name. It's the authority, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great I am, the one who is above all, all knowing, all powerful. And when we pray, we are not just praying to some some cool God or some cool man who followed a, a movement, we are praying to the authority. We're praying to God the Father. Hallowed be your name. Understanding who we're praying to, that no matter what we're facing, we're always serving the one who is above all. And then he turns it and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the agenda part. This is laying down our agendas and saying, your kingdom come, not my kingdom come, not the church's kingdom come, 
Even though it might sound right and correct, no, 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 we want your kingdom come. This is the place of surrender. It's the place of sacrifice that we talked about in Romans where, where we are laying down our lives saying, God, we know who you are as the heavenly father. We know who we are to each other as brothers and sisters. We, we know you are sacred. You are the authority. You're the king of kings. When you come into the room, your royalness takes over. All things must bow to you. And then we pray that all that is in heaven, all that is in your majesty come to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is really hard because we're taught that it's all about us. We're taught from a very young age, it's all about me. It's all about how I feel. It's all about how I feel. But Jesus said, no, 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 it's not about you at all. It's about the Father's will. Now, the beautiful picture about this is that God's will for your life is perfect. And though we may think sometimes that we know best, God knows ultimately what is best for your life. He designed you. The Bible says that he knit you together in your mother's womb. He counts the hairs on your head. He is obsessed with you, but he created you for a perfect design. And when you don't align yourself with his will, when we pray in a way that is all about us and all about our agenda, we take ourselves out of that perfect alignment, that path that he has laid out for us. And so this space of prayer is so important that we come and we lay down ourselves and say, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That perfect will that's going on for my life, that perfect will that you want for the earth, that perfect thing that you set in motion when Jesus was here, you want it done, I want it done too. What would it look like if our church, we took on God's heart and said, Lord, we wanna pray your prayers. We wanna pray with your agenda. What are you strategizing in heaven? What are you bringing the angels around and saying, hey, listen, this is what we're trying to get done on earth. What are you doing? And what would it look like for our church to be in alignment with that prayer, to pray heaven's prayer? Say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11 says, give us today our daily bread. Jesus was teaching that we should be in this place of being content. Now, this is a balancing act because being content does not being, mean being stagnant. It does not being, mean being in a space where we are okay where we are, so we're just gonna stay here. It's being content with what God gives us in every season. There are seasons where there is so much we can't contain it. And then there are seasons where we're looking at tomorrow saying, how are we gonna make it? But in those spaces, we are pray, God, you take care of us. You take care of our needs. And even in the space of community, we pray that God help us to meet each other's needs. Just like they did in Acts, when they sold their possessions and they gave to the poor and they gave to one another as needed. We pray that same prayer for our church. God, whatever we're about to face, whatever season we're about to go into, whatever trying time is coming at us, we pray, give us what we need. You will provide. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And so we lean into you and pray that prayer. Give us our daily bread. I wonder if God gave us our daily bread, just enough to make it, how many of us would be angry? Say, God, that's it? That's all? But be in that space 
learning that space of contentment, knowing that he is our provider. He's taking care of what we need and he knows what we need. And so leaning in, he says, give us today our daily bread. And, and in that space, if, if you're in that, that uh, space of having everything that you need and more, I think this prayer is beautiful that it turns our attention to say, how can I be a part of the solution? So I might have everything I need for my daily bread, but there might be a neighbor, there might be a, a place in my city or my neighborhood or my job place that I hear of that I can now be the solution. And that's the beauty about home church. That's the beauty about our space. And we always say that, you know, you don't, when you give online or you give a check to change, you don't give to change, you give through change. You give in a way that our church is able to meet needs as they arise. That when we hear there's someone hungry, when we hear there's a need, we can meet the need. That's what the church was designed for, to come with one another and to walk through every season, knowing who our provider is, but as he provides, we are able to then be generous with what he gives, to be the people who show the world what generosity looks like. And then he says this in verse 12, he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. He turns into this, making sure that we ourselves are clean of any bitterness, of any unforgiveness. And he's using the context of money, a debt, something that someone owes us. And Jesus even talks about a parable in there where the man owed the king so much money and the king forgave him of that debt. And then after being forgiven, the man went directly out, found someone who owed him a little bit of money and demanded that he give him that money right then, pay up. The man couldn't, so he put him in prison. It was this picture that Jesus was painting that you have been forgiven so much and the father has forgiven us an insurmountable amount that we could never repay. We could never come and fully pay back to the father. And he says, out of that forgiveness that I've shown you, out of that space where I've cleared your debts, now I'm asking you to do the same for those around you in our community. Say, hey, listen, no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, I forgive you. Be in that space saying, God, help us to forgive our debtors just as you have forgiven us. That we don't hold grudges, that we don't hold hostility, we don't hold anger. And let me encourage you today, even just asking Holy Spirit, is there anything in my heart that I need rid of? Is there any anger in me? Is there any bitterness in me that's holding me back from truly forgiving others? It's one thing to say, I forgive you. It's another whole thing to pray blessing on your enemy, to pray for that person and really inside be happy when they succeed. But, but Jesus says, hey, listen, this is the space of being in full transparency with God and letting his power move through you is a space of saying, God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he comes down to the end of the prayer and he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. Sums it all up. God, we pray all of these things. We pray our father, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ serving our father, hallowed be your name, your sacred name, your king of kings, Lord of lords, the name that they wouldn't even say, Jehovah. 
Jehovah. It was so beautiful and sacred that they wouldn't even usher it in any place that was not holy, uh, understanding who he was. And then stepping into that space where we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and give us this day our daily bread, just enough. And if we have too much, God, let us pour it out. Let us be generous with those around us. And God, let us step in that space of forgiveness and forgiving those just as you forgave us. And then he ends with, God, lead us not to temptation. Lead us not to the space of neglecting all that we just prayed. Lead us not that when we say amen, that we go back to the life that we came from. That we go back to the desires of our own self and the selfishness that we, we carry on a daily basis. God, help us not to go back to that place of temptation, but lead us away from the evil one. So when we step away from that space that we were in, we step towards the space where he is. And that's where we wanna be, a prayer of total surrender. So I'd love to lead us today in our closing moments in the Lord's Prayer. And I want us to say it together. And my prayer today, that as we pray this as a church, that we come under this unity, this space where the early church was, where we say, our Father, we're in this together in community, and we're serving Him in our prayers to make our agendas His agenda, that we pick up His heart, we pick up His ways, say, God, lead us. That's what home church looks like. It's a space where we gather, and it doesn't matter where we gather. We can gather in homes, we can gather in the parks, we can gather in spaces that we get creative. It doesn't matter. The space doesn't matter. All that matters is that we carry his heart, is that we are a church that is alive to the word of God. So would you, would you pray this with me as we lift our hearts together? Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one my prayer for you today, and I would challenge you to dive in. And if you're, you're gathered in a watch party today, um, to have discussion on this, say, how can we gather together in prayer? And how can we carry one another's burdens in prayer? Not just coming with our own agenda, but saying, hey, how can we as a community lift one another up? How can I specifically pray for you? How can I dive into that space? How can we as a group gather and say, Lord, what is your will? What do you want done in this space? So I wanna pray for us as we, uh, we close this time together and pray for your watch party, wherever you're watching from. I just wanna pray that the Holy Spirit just pours out his spirit on you as you lay down your agenda in that space of surrender. If you wanna to surrender to the Father, if you wanna say yes to Jesus, we just lift your hands and say, yes, Father, I surrender to you. Just be in that space of total obedience, just like Paul said, place of sacrifice. Um, God, today, we lay down our lives as a living sacrifice on the altar of your throne. God, we pray that you would have your way in our lives. We pray that your kingdom come and your will is done in our lives 
and our prayers and the way that we lift you up. And God, as we define this out, what it looks like to be a, a thriving community, what it looks like to be a people who is alive to your word, alive in our faith, that we live out what you've called us to do. God, let our ears be open. Right now, I just pray and I release that over everyone watching God, that their ears would be open and attentive to your voice, that we would have moments in our day where we'd pause and listen, where we would stop everything and just tune in, where, where our morning time or our evening time, whenever we'd spend time with you, God, that we would set a portion out where we would just listen, where we would just lean in to the most important voice that we have to hear yours, Father. We love you, Jesus. And we pray that we as a church, together collectively, would carry your agenda. That in this season, we would be so attentive to what you want done. And we would drop all things in order to accomplish it. We love you, God, and we trust you. We thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And God, I just pray for those that are dealing with job loss or are dealing with loved ones who are sick or dealing with those who are in the hospital or even dealing with racial tension right now. God, I pray that your healing power would flow through this screen. God, that right now they would feel your arms of embrace. God, they would feel your fatherly arms wrap around them. You said that you would bind up the brokenhearted. You would bind up those that have wounds in order for them to heal. So God, I just pray that you would heal in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the healing that you're speaking over this season, mentally, physically, and spiritually. You are healing us and restoring us to be whole in you. And I just release that right now in the name of Jesus to everyone watching, that they would feel that release of healing in their body. We thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you that you are a good father. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at This Is Change PHL. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.